Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Today is Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to home. We're never going to say everything there is to say about uh, the, the, the truth that is contained uh, here. All sorts of things we could emphasize, themes. This, this passage that is, is a beautiful song from Mary that's been formative in the life of, of Christian communities uh, uh, for ages, throughout the ages. And, and uh, in fact, in some streams of the church, sung daily. Uh, this this beautiful image full of, of all these themes. Maybe, maybe we focus on Mary's openness oftentimes before God, her humility before God, and God kind of responding to her as one who is favored and, and uh, her, her, again, just obedient kind of openness. To him. And maybe we focus on her worship. Uh, like this, this song is a beautiful picture of her response and worship to God. Maybe, uh, as we'll see, perhaps it's God's regard in this passage. The word here was mercy, but his regard the direction of his regard, who it is, he, to, to whom uh, it is that he extends favor. Maybe, which much has been made, rightfully so, of the kind of subversive nature of the song, right? That they hear Mary is celebrating, and the things that she celebrates kind of run counter to the things that we tend to celebrate. But I, I'm going to uh, ask us to consider two other themes this morning, and the first one is expectations, I think this is a passage full uh, of expectations, and uh, I, we all sort of bring our expectations into the conversation with Jesus, all of us, and I, I want to suggest to you this morning that uh, I think, I think we, we see these sort of same things here in Mary as she erupts in this moment in, in worship to God at the, at the sort of what is happening, uh, the, the God's gift of uh, himself, his son, in, in the world through her. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, perhaps you're familiar, right? this, uh, the German theologian, uh, uh, resisted the, the, the Nazis at, at cost of his life, uh, in a sermon in 1933, writes about, uh, writes about this song from Mary. And this is what he says. The song of Mary is the oldest Advent hymn. It, it is at once the most passionate, the wildest, one might even say the most revolutionary Advent hymn ever sung. Then he says this. This is not the gentle, tender, dreamy Mary whom we sometimes see in paintings. This song has none of the kind of sweet nostalgic, or even playful tones of some of our Christmas carols. He says instead, instead it, it, it's a hard, strong, inexorable song, and this is the phrase I, I, want, I want you to hear this morning, about the power of God and the powerlessness of humankind. This is a beautiful song about the power of God and the powerlessness of of, of humankind. I, I think we hear uh, in this song um, Mary's expectations 
on, on what it will look like when the power of God shows up in the world in the person of her son here and its implications for, for the powerless in the world. Right? It also has implications for those in power, which her song uh, clearly sort of states. Right? She says uh, all these themes that the humble will be raised up the, uh, and blessed, right? that those who are proud and rich will be sent away empty or will be brought down, all these inversions. Right? Those who think themselves mighty will be made low and the lowly will be exalted. Like themes that she sees being lived out in the world through her son, but also that she's experienced and, and sort of uh, pulled within the framework of her own experience, that God has exalted her as well, scattering the proud, bringing down the mighty, all these expectations on what it will look like when the power of God steps into the world and, and, and confronts the power of uh, people and its implications for, for the powerlessness of, of uh, humanity. And, and, and she speaks about uh, her expectations on what that will look like. Uh, a book that was written last year, a New Testament theologian uh, by the name of Kevin Rowe, uh, came to my mind as I was preparing for this particular morning. He talks about specifically this moment, Mary's um, a beautiful little book called Christianity Surprise. And his, his uh, uh, thinking here is that, you know, in a sense we kind of lost the, the, the sense, like in, in some sense our familiarity with the story. We've lost a bit of uh, surprise, and so he pulls us back into sort of these earliest moments and and what they would have felt like uh, in in the story and, and in the world in which they uh, occurred, which is, is an interesting premise and, and it, it was a fun, uh, challenging at times challenging read. But he writes about uh, Mary's expectations uh, here uh, that what we hear, like when we read what she wrote with the well, as we do all of Scripture, often with the benefit of hindsight. Like we know Jesus doesn't literally like pick up a sword and like, you know, Braveheart style lead a revolt against the Roman like, oppressors. We, we know that doesn't happen. So we, we read this story like, okay, well, you know, it's kind of application is more spiritual or uh, we're going to take it a different direction. And uh, like we, we, we know that, but, but uh, Roe kind of pulls us back into like uh, what it would have felt and sounded like, like what it meant for Mary to say these words. Uh, to, to sing and worship and pray uh, these words within sort of uh, Luke's world, his, his, his gospel. What, 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 what kind of weight do these words carry? And, and he suggests, which he's not the only one, this is not unique to him, and uh, it makes sense to us. Like it comes with, uh, Mary's song comes with all sorts of, uh, sort of expectations and hopes that, that, that came with the, the hope of a Messiah, specifically in this case, a political one, that he would work, he would, he would work a kind of tangible change to the, to the political landscape of the world she was in on behalf of her people against the Roman oppressors. I mean, he's not even born yet, uh, right? He's not even born yet, and, and she, she sings this song of praise that when, when he comes, right, like what, maybe she doesn't know the full extent of what it means, but her expectations in the song are that he's going to overthrow the foreign overlords, right? He's going to bring down Roman oppressors. He's going to exalt uh, his people, the people of Israel. He's going to reestablish uh, the, the king line, the kingdom line of David, the Messiah would come, right? All of these sort of rich Old Testament um, uh, through lines that she picks up. He, he, uh, God's worship of God, glorifying God would be reformed, finally would be purified in a sense, like worship would return to the, the land of its home, would be reconstituted in the people of Israel. All these sort of tangible expectations for uh, the, 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 the world in which she lived, wrapped up on her not yet born 
child. I, I, I suggest to you, like, we t- talk about, like, unrealistic parental expectations, right? Right? Like, uh, you know, we kind of read it, and it's beautiful, and there's, you know, we see angelic light in the background, but, but, it, but all of the expectation already resting on uh, this one yet to be born. It reminded me of another carol. You guys know the carol, Once in David's Royal City? Once in David's Royal City. Anyone? No? Okay. That's a great one. Uh, You want to keep going? I'm not going to do that. Uh, Beautiful, beautiful sort of story, right? This carol. But there's a a stanza in in this song uh, against, you know, stood a lowly cattle shed, a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was the mother mild, Jesus Christ her little child. But then in verse 3, speaking of parental expectations, and through all his wondrous childhood he would honor and obey, love and watch the lowly maiden in whose gentle arms he lay. And then this man, this zinger of a line. Christian children all must be mild, obedient, good as he, right? Yeah, you guys are like, oh man, uh, parental expectations, right? Uh, we all kind of bring uh, these, these, these expectations, and I, I, I just want to invite us into hearing some of them maybe um, differently than we've heard them before as Mary erupts in this moment of worship, that, that all of this expectation resting on this child yet to be born. And these expectations aren't unique to Mary. They follow Jesus all throughout his ministry. Uh, they, they, you know, uh, we see them in Mark's gospel. Mark is, it's called the messianic secret. Repeatedly, Jesus is like, shh, right? Don't say these things. Don't, 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 don't let the word out on my identity as the Messiah. Like, it's, it's this sort of ongoing tension. Like, he tries to hold it at bay. No, 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 right? All these expectations, no, no. Uh, what you see it in Matthew is keen to sort of make explicit all these connections to Old Testament prophecies, anticipation of the Messiah who would redeem God's people. Even in Luke and, and you know, the stories that we, we, we read, you know, we, we bump into it in John the Baptist, Peter, examples we've considered recently in walking through Peter. Peter, right, when, when he hears Jesus say uh, that he's going to suffer and die, Peter's like, there's no way. Right? Because it doesn't match his sort of messianic like, expectations. Like, that's ridiculous, Jesus. This, this will not happen. Suffering and defeat will never be yours. And in that moment, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, rebukes that pull in Peter. These expectations on him, following him, uh, but just showing up here so beautifully in this moment from Mary. So, so uh, the question I, I maybe would ask us as we consider the first theme, um, expectations, you know, what, what do we see here in this passage? You know, Mary's openness, sure, her worship, all of these perhaps postures worth emulating in your life and mine. Uh, but I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it's her expectations, uh, if that's not where we probably feel the most at home. Uh, I know her context is different. You guys have probably not expected Jesus to overthrow Roman overlords, right? Uh, that probably hasn't been any expectation in, in, in any explicit sense that you have brought into conversations of faith about the person of Jesus. But sometimes I wonder if this isn't where we are more at home. It's the season of expectations, right? You guys like Christmas carols? My children, it's a tension in my home. I have twin daughters who are nine, and, and they're pushing back on Christmas carols. And, uh, and so we fight, right, because they're wrong. And, um, you know, they'd rather listen to, I don't know what uh, terrible music, but, uh, but you know, carols, this, they're, they're full of expectations for this season, expectations of coziness, a warmth, Good company, 
hearth and home and snow on snow on snow, right? You guys are like, please stop. Uh, this is a season of expectations. And I think as we hear Mary's song, I wonder, like Mary, what expectations you and I might bring into this moment as we anticipate Jesus' coming, celebrating his coming already, but also anticipate his return. What expectations might we carry? Her context is, of course, unique, right? But her impulse in some sense, I don't think, is unique at all. Her expectations are clearly informed in this moment. They're shaped by God's spirit. as She erupts in worship, right? But they're also shaded by, by her own expectations of what it will mean when the power of God shows up in the world. And the person of the baby she's carrying and what it will mean for her is that it will have serious implications for the people in power and for the people who are powerless, specifically the people of Israel. But she brings her own expectations, and I think we do the same. And, and that, move, that move, while her context is unique, I think that move is probably familiar to us. So I ask you the question, what expectations are you bringing into your faith, into, into your conversations about Jesus this season? What kinds of songs are shaping those expectations as Mary worships in this moment? What, what kinds of songs give voice in your life to your own kind of longings and expectations of, of who Jesus is and what he might be and do in your life and, and in the world? I think that's kind of the first theme I want to invite you into considering this morning. Uh, what expectations do you carry? But there's one more theme. Anybody have that? Anybody have that? If we're playing double ditto, anybody? Anybody? All right, no. Uh, the second theme this morning, uh, again, briefly, is, is the theme of surprise. All right, so if, if, if where we start, the songs of the season, all these songs are clearly sort of uh, pregnant, if you will, with expectation, uh, the anticipation that God is going to do something uniquely significant in the birth of this baby. But also, I think another theme present here is, is surprise. I, I'd be curious, any of you, was surprise uh, an important element in your experience of Christmas as children? Confession, it was, it was, I feel like, singularly important, aside from Jesus, uh, in my experience of, of Christmas. The element of surprise around gift-giving was a big deal. I remember as a kid, uh, I, got a, I got a set of golf clubs, and I found them in the trunk before, uh, before. We always traveled to North Carolina from Georgia to be with my grandparents, and I found them in the trunk accidentally. And I went into, and, and my mom could tell from my face uh, that I had found the golf clubs. And so we just let it pass. We didn't address it, right? We just, everyone knew, right? And uh, so they let me load the car that year. They let me pack the trunk uh, to travel to North Carolina, and, I'm, and there were no golf clubs, right? No clubs to preserve the element. I don't know what they did, but they were there when I got there, right? <laughs> to preserve the element of surprise. I, I, I got a pet one time uh, in North Carolina that we would travel back with that, which I realize now is not a big deal. We love our pets. But at the time I was like, well, just give it to us in Georgia and then we wouldn't have to like transport and all that. But uh, like the, 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 the effort with which we uh, attempted to preserve surprise. So you can imagine the tension and conflict that's created in my marriage when I discovered Jess's family did not value surprise at all. Early in our marriage, her mom, uh, Jess, her mom, and her sister, they, they have all the presents out before Christmas, like showing each other what, what they've got. They're going to wrap them again so we can open them. But, but I'm like, what, what is happening? We, we're, still, we're still working that one out. Um, but uh, we had to get some outside help on that one. But, you know, we're, we're working it out. Uh, it's, uh, uh, surprise is an element of the Christmas 
uh, story and our experience of Christmas, but I, I think it's uh, not unique to sort of those expressions of Christmas, but we find it in, in this song from Mary. But here's, here's what I, I do think. I think uh, maybe you don't love a surprise. Like Christmas surprises are great unless they're disappointing. Right? No one wants a disappointing surprise, right? You're like, oh, I thought, you know, what, uh, whatever this was is not what, I, like that, that moment is awkward and un- uncomfortable. And I, and I wonder if, as we, as we view Mary's words in the context of her, the whole story of, of her experience of Jesus, if there isn't a bit of that disappointment, in, in some sense, I don't want to overstate it, but that, that uh, uh, th- there is this sense in which perhaps, right, uh, her experience of Jesus as he grows, as she grows as his mom, as she walks through the events of the end of the new, uh, the gospels in the life of Jesus, if there isn't a bit of, of a, a kind of, uh, the kind of surprise she didn't want to receive based on the song that she had sung of what it would mean when God's power showed up in the world. And now, uh, as we get to the end of the Gospels, now all of that seems to be coming un, uh, unraveled and undone. You guys know the Christmas carol, I think, recently repopularized by um, Pentatonics, Mary, Mary, did you know, right? Uh, Mary, did you know? Maybe the implication is like, maybe she knew a little bit, but I mean, we read the stories like, I don't, I don't, she didn't know. Right? She thought she knew, and these were all of her expectations, but, but her experience uh, of the story of Jesus at least me wondering, like, the surprise in this moment was maybe less than she uh, had hoped for. It reminded me of an old radio show, The What Do You Know Show, Michael Feldman. And uh, this was kind of a fun sort of game show, trivia, a bit of news, what do you know? And, and they'd be like, what do you know? And the audience would shout, not much. Yeah, right? <laughs> Okay, uh, I, think, I think that's the implication here in Mary's story, that, that there was much, even in all of this song, all of her expectations and anticipation of what it would mean when the power of God showed up in the world. But, but as the story unfolds, you, I kind of wonder if she's thinking, man, I didn't know much. As all of her expectations start to unravel. Right? As, 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 she, as she sees the one and the disciples around her and others around her and like all the expectations, anticipation of what this person, Jesus, would mean for them and for the world, for the powerful and the weak. And, and, and now they're watching. Right? So what they, what, what they expect is like power to come in on behalf of the weak and just uh, sort of uh, reverse that flow and, and uh, work against the, the established powers in her world. But instead, what she gets is a Messiah who shows up talking about forgiving and even dying for your enemies. The very people he's meant to be like overthrowing and he's, he's, he's giving up his life to them. It's, 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 I, you have to think that perhaps there's a bit of, and this is not the surprise I was hoping for. When disciples follow Jesus into the garden with swords, I don't think they're expecting, like, surrender. And yet Jesus laying his life down. I think what happens here, Karl Barth, again, a German theologian, is helpful here, that, that what we find here is uh, a Messiah we expect and want is, is in the Gospels really not the one that we get. It's not the one that we get. The disciples drawn into following Jesus, whose life and message is so compelling, they're hopeful. This is the one who's going to do all those expectations we heard in Mary's song this morning, but frustrated by Jesus' repeated, repeated defying of those expectations in all of the wrong ways. 
And so I think as the story unfolds, what we find is, is even, even with all these expectations, they're, 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 the manner in which they're fulfilled, the, the, the story hasn't sort of lived up to them. And we find Mary, perhaps, again, uh, the disciples clearly uh, wrestling with the surprise of, of disappointment. Merry Christmas, right? Uh, happy Advent. It's like, Matt, what, what's going on? Well, I, again, this is, I, I feel like the place I want to come to before we sort of step into the hope of this morning, the end of the Gospels, Jesus having walked this path to the cross, what we find, I think, holding that moment in the context of Mary's song, the beginning of the story, where, where those expectations end is with a crucified Messiah, Right? And a crucified Messiah is a failed Messiah. And a failed Messiah is by definition not a Messiah. He has not effectively overthrown the powers of which she was singing about at the beginning. Not accomplished the move she anticipated in that opening song. At least not in the way she expected. And that I think is the surprise I want to invite us into this Christmas season. First, to consider our expectations, whatever they are that we bring into this moment, but then uh, sort of putting them on the table to open our hearts and lives to the, to the, 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 the fact that uh, God and his grace is at work and let him sur- surprise us in the person of Jesus again, just as he did. Then that if we go back to, if we go back to Bonhoeffer's words, right, uh, the expectation was that the power of God would show up and would push back the powers of people on behalf of the powerless, a lot of P words in there, but you see where I'm going here, right? But, but here's, here's where I think the real surprise uh, occurs, is that no one expected the power of God to show up. Maybe they expected him to show up uh, on behalf of the powerless, but no one expected them to show up in the form of uh, powerlessness. And that's precisely what Jesus does. He doesn't just show up on behalf of those who are weak. He himself shows up as weak and lays his life down. And this, I think, is, is the surprise that leads to Mary that leads to Mary, the mother of this one, at the end of the story, in the room, waiting with disciples, anticipating the Spirit, having been changed by the resurrection of Jesus, that God, uh, that God would choose, uh, would, would reveal himself in this one. Mary, sort of all the way through, uh, herself surprised by the grace of a God that wouldn't just show up on behalf of the weak, but as weak himself. That, I think, is the surprise I'd like to invite you and me uh, into this morning. We're going to close with a carol. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.